With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and today I am joined by uh, a good friend of mine, Aram Collier, who is in Toronto. What's up, Aram? Hello. Glad to be here on, on the pod. You're in Toronto. You've lived there for a while, but you are a San Francisco born and bred native, like a real one. <laughs> That's know? right. That's one of the only ones. And it's, uh, you know, funny to be on an Oakland Warriors podcast. You know, when the Oakland uh, Oakland jerseys came out, I know there was a lot of, uh, and, and, the, and the move to San Francisco. It's like, well, there are some Warriors fans in San Francisco. Uh, just for uh, listeners out there. So like I met Aram in San Francisco when I lived in San Francisco and we both moved to different cities. I'm in LA, he's in Toronto. And throughout the dynasty, we've been emailing each other back and forth <laughs> about different things. We have like an archive somewhere in my Gmail. The, the um, 2015 and 2016 <laughs> uh, championship uh, runs or attempts like have some long ass threads. Merry, Merry Christmas, by the way. Uh, Merry Christmas, man. <laughs> the greatest gift we could have gotten was a nearly 40-point blowout at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, the final score, you know, the first half, I was I was like, hey, we're kind of sticking, uh, we're, we're kind of still in this game. We're, we're grinding, we're grinding. We just got to close this with a, a third-quarter run here. And it's just like, and then you look at the end, it's like, oh, worse score than the other night. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was on Twitter a couple nights ago for, and somebody was talking about uh, some Warriors fan had mentioned something about like, oh yeah, perfect for those third quarter runs. <laughs> and I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry to break it to you, but those third quarter runs are not happening ever again anymore. At least not until they sort out their wing situation and get Clay Thompson in the lineup next year. And he comes yeah, back. That, that's a year, year away, you know, and I think that's what I'm dealing with today is like this temporal feeling that Christmas kind of gives you. It's like that kind of nostalgia and that kind of sadness or ennui or uh, sodaje or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm really trying not to overreact, you know? I think the, the, smart, the smart people are saying like, look, Draymond's out. Um, they have two really tough matchups. And when the schedule came out, it was like, man, why is the NBA doing this to us? And let's see how they look against Detroit and Chicago. So that remains true. And I'm, and I'm really trying to stick to that. Don't overreact. Um, let's get Draymond back in there. Um, and let's go kill Detroit. Yeah. But man, this is like making me today made me sad. Okay. Okay. Um, what in particular made you sad? Because I'll be honest, I am totally, honestly, I'm just, I'm chilling because I know that they set up the NBA set up the schedule, assuming Clay Thompson was going to be healthy <laughs> where everybody thought they were going to be competing for uh, the title um, and definitely the West, Western conference crown. So, you know, and the they also matchup... probably didn't think that uh, Giannis was going to resign his extension. <laughs> and they're like, Ooh, <laughs> rumors of him going to the Warriors. Right. I mean, can you imagine Giannis right now, if he hadn't signed the extension, looking at the Warriors being like, yeah, I'll sign that right now. <laughs> but, you know, because like I was saying, so for me, uh, I, like you mentioned, I am definitely looking at that Bulls game and that Pistons game with Draymond back in the lineup. Uh, and I feel okay. I feel okay. If they lose those, um, then then I'll start, you know, thinking, oh, shit, th this team is going to be really bad but then i'm gonna be like yo which lottery pick are we gonna get <laughs> okay i'm gonna start with this really small detail from back when i think i started when i first started watching basketball it was kind of towards the end of larry bird's career 
I remember this comment on uh, on the broadcast um, that basically when when opponents notice that when he starts getting really pink, it means he's tired. <laughs> yeah, and then. And then I'm just and so I was looking at Steph today and maybe it's just my screen, but I was like, man, he looks kind of he looks kind of pink. He looks kind of <laughs> tired. He's working so hard out there and mm. nothing's going down. None of this is working. And what it made me think of was a couple of things. And, you know, I'm from the Bay. I love the Giants. Um, but I don't know if you remember late career Barry Bonds. Uh, I don't know if you remember Felipe Alou. There was this quote that Felipe Alou, he was running out Marquise Grissom. I think it was Marquise Grissom, uh, who was in his late 30s. And he said, and and he's hitting 200. It's just not working. And and he, and, and it was imminent that that player was going to be released, you know. And Alou was like, what can I do? It feels like he's dying in my hand, you know. <laughs> and, and that just made me think, like, is this, is this? going to turn into late career Barry Bonds, right? Where we have this iconic Bay Area player um, doing work. Uh, we love him. And we're just going to have to ride out the twilight of his career. And, you know, I, you know how we didn't understand, as Warriors fans, we didn't understand what winning a championship would look like or feel like. Yep. And likewise, we don't know what post-dynasty is like. And is this it? That's what made me sad today. <laughs> it made you sad that the dynasty might be over? I, I think it is, but I is it coming earlier than we thought? You know, um, I, I look at this game and I'm just like, man, uh, you know, and, and like NBA Twitter or LeBron stands or whatever, they're out for Steph, and I hate that. He he saved our franchise. Like he made this last decade worth watching. You know, like right. and he changed the league. He changed the game. Changed the, everything for us. Right. Um. And and I and I don't want that to end. I want him to have another run. I want us to have more more runs in us. Um. But I could see it turning into uh, late career Barry Bonds and the Giants. I understand that perspective. And to be honest, like by the time I moved out of the Bay to Los Angeles, Barry Bonds was still kind of at the peak of his powers, but I stopped paying attention to baseball. So I don't really know because I didn't get the local coverage of what was happening to, to Barry Bonds after their attempts to to win the World Series with him. But here's here's my thing with Steph and the Warriors. The thing that does make me sad is that the brand, the beautiful brand of basketball that the Warriors in the Steve Kerr era brought, that that is gone. That's what might make me sad. The spacing, the intelligence, the selflessness, the pure skill, that from top to bottom, the roster was filled with guys who were smart, capable, and who had performed at high levels. Uh, when you try to bring in somebody and they're like, oh, you know, he can be that Andre Iguodala role, I mean, that's fine, but Andre Iguodala <laughs> was an Olympian. Uh, he made an all-star team. He was amazing. He was like a star player. And then he decided to play a complimentary role. You know, Sean Livingston, before the injury, he was like a star player. And he has that that mind for the yeah. game, right? I mean, these were high, high, high-level minds, high-level of achievements. Exactly. Yeah. And, and fitting into this system. Yeah. And, and there was a, it was like 10 seconds left in the end of the first quarter and Wiggins just decides to do ISO three and Steph is right there. Like, just, just give him the ball. <laughs> you know, Like yeah. what, what are you doing? Like there's been a many times in the last couple of games where something like that has happened. And it's not just to say it's Wiggins, you know, it's, yeah, it's the whole team and, and it is, there is something lost. And, and but I wonder though, you know, part of the optimism uh, or the curiosity. I think a lot of us were excited for this season because we didn't know what we were going to get, right? Right. And 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 the big question is, is like, okay, Kerr, let's see it, right? Like, mm -hmm. what can you do with this team? What can you do without those great basketball minds? And not just Kerr, but also the, like the infrastructure of the team, the the light years organization, uh, organization, the culture, and all of that kind of stuff. Like, well, let's see it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, 
I think we're still going to see it. But like I was saying, I'm sad that that brand of basketball might never come back. But I do think, I do think that, hey, you know, Dynasty might be over, but the winning could potentially continue. And I'm no, by no stretch of the imagination, am I like an, a warrior's optimist, you know, uh, having grown up in the, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Yeah, you know better, you know better. Yeah, but they do have a structure, an infrastructure, a, a, an ownership that will spend. And right now they have guys who will, who seem smart, that they're trying to put something together. And right now on paper, they look like trash today. And some of their complimentary role players have played trash in the first two games. But but I think, I still think that the Warriors as a team that is uh, potentially contending could still exist, right? We all think that if Clay didn't get hurt, he could still, uh, the Warriors would be in contention, at least maybe top four in the West. And so, so Clay's out. And if next year, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that if you see KD and his Achilles looks all right, John Wall, his Achilles seems all right. I'm hoping Clay's Achilles is all right. And I'm hoping at that point, maybe they'll get some clarity on Oubre, on Wiggins, and then they decide what they want to do. You know, if they want to move Wiggins, who knows what his value will be at that point. But with one year off of his contract, maybe it'll be better. And Oubre, I mean, he's, he's a free agent, I think. So, you know, yeah. they can make that decision just outright. And yeah, if... If if the Warriors stink this year, it could be, and I've talked about this on on previous episodes that it could be like the bridge to prolonging like this culture of winning. I'm not going to say dynasty, but you know we know that the Spurs they just had continuity, right? They had their three stars come in and the coaching staff and R.C. Buford in the front office, and they were just very stable for a long time until Kawhi decided to strangely destabilize everything. Um, so that's, that's what I'm hoping for. And again, as that's a definitely, that's definitely the template. That's definitely a template that you want, you know, that, that continuity, the, you let your stars um, age grace, gracefully and, and you have the next generation. And I don't know, like, I mean, it kind of looks like, you know, as as manic as these first two games have made me feel, uh, there's definitely some hope. There's one very large person who's giving me a lot of hope. Uh, so I, it's not all doom and gloom for me. Eric Pascal, bigger, but bigger. I mean, just to go back to Ubre too. You know, I mean, uh, you know, to continue the baseball analogy, he's not going to go hitless for the entire season. Like he's gonna hit some shots. He looked good in 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 those Sacramento exhibition games. So it's going to turn around, you know, Wiggins. I thought he looked okay at, at times. He was more aggressive. He was slashing, you know, if we're going to talk about the game, like, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was some, there was some encouraging signs despite the score. I said this after the first game, I think that they will gravitate towards the mean, which is, reassuring in some respects, but it's also disappointing because there was so much talk of them being better than what they've shown that Ubre, he had a breakout season last year with the Suns, and that he was going to be even better, especially since he's in a contract year. And that Wiggins finally playing with Steph after the 12 games he played last season on the Warriors without Steph, that he was ready to take that next step. But I mean, that's the disappointing part of it so far. I still think, I still think that, you know, a lot of it is knee jerk. A lot of it is, it is it's still technically preseason. Yeah, like you totally. said, they played two teams that are basically going to be one and two in the East and that have played together for a while. You take look at the Nets, you subtract KD and Kyrie, but those guys have played together for a long time. The Bucks, they played together, they played in the bubble deep into the playoffs. The Warriors, yeah. they hadn't played since March. They have so many new pieces. They're missing Draymond. Uh, they're dealing with like the fact that Clay is not going to be around, even though he hasn't played in like a year and a half. And Steph barely played last season, yeah. so I think and there's a lot, lot yeah. a lot, a lot of players there. in a new system. Um, yeah. And I think you know, I wonder how much of that bubble um, issue, you know, like having played recently in the, in whatever the three months ago or four months ago versus 
nine months ago, a year ago. Like, I, I, I wonder how much of that makes a difference. You know, I mean, it was I was spinning my 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 warrior's wheels a little bit uh, in that, like, wait, that, but they're not in the bubble. They're playing in empty arenas. Like the Warriors can't shoot because they've never been in this arena before without fans. And like, it's like, what's the problem? Why can't they hit shots? But, you know, but I, I but there I think there are variables that uh, we don't know yet. Right. Uh, these empty arenas with no fans. Um, I mean, sure. It, the, the Bucks are hitting everything. I mean, uh, you got DJ Wilson or Bobby Portis hitting threes, but um, but that's their home court. So, you know. Right, we'll see right. when we get back to chase, right? Yeah, and I think in 20, 30 games, uh, we will see how these guys look, give them a little bit more cohesion. I think, again, I'm sure if you're on NBA Twitter, Warriors Twitter, you just see a bunch of like ridiculous assertions and people just flying off the handle about this, that, and the other. But again, like I just want some hope. I want some progress. And I think that we are seeing progress. And that big person you're talking about, obviously, is James Wiseman. And man, that I mean, I don't know. I, I got He's so huge. many things to say. I got He's so many huge. things to say about. I got that I got a whole bunch of bullet points. Like, yeah, go for it. I mean, I mean, you know, I I, I watched the first game too. So, uh, but he's big, and and like, I noticed how big he was uh, today when he got replaced by Marquise Chris. It was like they came back and they they cut to Marquise Chris taking his place in like while uh, he was getting lined up to box out for a free throw, you know, and like they have a similar number. It's like 32 and 33. It's like, whoa. Oh, that's not him. Like, like, cause for a second it was like, whoa, how could, how did he get so much smaller? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's way bigger than anybody they have. Um, he's, I mean, it might be his hair, but he's quite a bit bigger than Giannis. You yeah. Know? I looked um, it up. I looked up the, uh, the their measurements um because you know they did the last season at least they measured everybody like officially i guess with a doctor and um that's when like clay went from like six seven to six six and brandon ingram went from like six eight six nine to like six six and draymond was six five yeah uh i think he measured out at six six actually oh did yeah. he really yeah six seven oh, to good, six good. six good for him um but uh i I had no idea because measurements throughout basketball history have always been iffy. How I had no idea how he was going to look next to an NBA center because we didn't see him in preseason. I wanted to see him against Whiteside or Jokic, um, even Bagley, but we didn't. And so, so when I saw him line up next to DeAndre Jordan, who's officially 6'11, I was like, okay, this dude's big. <laughs> like he's legit big. Uh, Jordan's a little bit broader in the shoulders, but he's also like 30. 32 or something. So I was pleasantly surprised. And again, just seeing the dude move, he is literally everything that the scouts who liked him said. I don't know if you ever read this article, uh, David Thorpe, I believe, uh, True Hoop, he wrote a blog post of some kind saying that James Wiseman is like the, the true, like singular prospect in this draft. Uh, and if you haven't read it, I'll, I'll send it to you because yeah, send it to me. I didn't read that one. Yeah, it was, I, I read so much pre-draft stuff too. Yeah. I don't know how I came across it. I think some other article I read linked to it and it explained in a way that I, some familiar stuff, some other thoughts that I hadn't heard because I hadn't really seen him play outside of, you know, random highlights. And I read it again. So it came out like late October before the draft and I read it again uh, yesterday after the um, a day after the first game. And I was like, Oh, this dude nailed it. You know, he nailed like the fact that uh, the guy is big, he can move. And the one thing that he said that I had not thought of really was how he looked defending smaller guys in college on the perimeter, that his stance, you actually would get down in a stance yeah. instead of looking like a big stiff. And that's key. And, you know, I mean, other people have compared him to like, uh, I mean, not the same exact caliber, but like in the past or in the past like month or two saying he's kind of like AD or, or Bosch yeah. or something, yeah. right? Somebody who can uh, do a lot of different things with the ball and be mobile and everything. And, and on, on Twitter, people are saying like, you know, you'd see people who would uh, show a, a highlight of 
of Wiseman and then other people would chime in and talk about the score. I could give a, a damn about the score, man. The fact that the guy has shown all these different skills confidently on both ends of the court, I that that just bodes well. I mean, he's not going to be like uh, an MVP right away or an all-star right away, but he can do things. And that is what I'm looking for also in the next 20 to 30 games. Also when Draymond gets back and uh, they get into more of a rhythm. I mean, he's, he's fun to watch, dude. He, he is fun to watch. And you know, one of the things that was interesting about today's game versus the first game is that, you know, he's, he scored about the same amount of points. It was 18 or 19 points. Um, but a lot of his stuff against Milwaukee came in the flow of the game. Like, you know, the New Jersey game, a lot of those numbers came in garbage time. Right. I mean, and, and as an aside, I was thinking that like, you know, I really like that he's trying these things at garbage time that like, he's not wasting, he's not wasting his minutes um, by just kind of floating around like, ah, we're down by 30, like uh, just pass it or whatever. Like he's trying things. Like there was one point in, in the Milwaukee game, like he was, uh, he, he tried to cross somebody up uh, uh, from, from outside the arc and like try to drive in like it didn't work but i think he drew a foul or something like that it's like yeah good right like this is the this is a time like just any time that you have like go do stuff but but it's also interesting because um the he's not doing that when the game is close so he has an awareness of what's going on in the game uh where they're at what needs to be done in the moment and so you know they've talked about like how bright he is uh he's studying the game he's asking a lot of questions he's a sponge all these kinds of things and uh you know that looks like that looks like that in action right that intelligence Mm -hmm. in action that awareness and you know and he's he is big and i don't think he's as twitchy as like a ad or or bosh um but he's bigger than those guys like he's uh, he's kind of like Embiid size yeah uh, I don't think he's as lumbering as Embiid and he does seem like he can get down in that stance a little bit more um so uh, yeah I'm encouraged I'm really encouraged yeah when I looked up a bunch of just random centers off the top of my head on to see their measurements he's bigger than most and some are more agile but like you said he's bigger than uh Bosch but he may not be as agile AD I mean that guy grew up <laughs> as like a point yeah. guard until his yeah. growth spurt so that he's definitely going to be more agile but uh, one thing that i noticed i was reading an article uh before the game that kerr said something about letting wiseman shoot and encouraging him to shoot like he's doing with all their bigs is that he said one thing is like like a good shot versus a bad shot or like when to take a three and when not and he said uh, when to not to take a three is like well when you know, you only run five seconds off the clock and uh, as opposed to like, you know, getting a bunch of passes in and weakening the the defensive fabric and stuff like that. And I noticed that a couple times he got the ball uh, top of the arc or close to the three point line and he kind of like looked and then he passed off, you know. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I mean, I'm sure they discussed that in-house and I'm like, okay, that's actually one thing that was mentioned in an article and you could see it, you know, like he's absorbing these things and his, his temperament, obviously I don't know the guy, but like his temperament is, he, I don't know. He's just, he's, he's, he's a kid, but like, yeah, people talk about his maturity and sometimes those are just PR platitudes, but the guy just seems very, uh, zen on the court about things and what what, what did you hear the uh the sideline uh reporter was saying meditation meditates yeah twice a day (laughs) yeah i i I heard that during the whole like uh scouting process the 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 (laughs) year-long pre-draft process about how he meditates he saw uh a uh a a youtube video uh with kobe bryant talking about like meditation and i i tweeted out i was like yo, man, everybody should meditate now because <laughs> the dude looks super mellow. And and when he's like on the free throw line, takes a deep breath, dribbles, looks totally calm. When he he uh, he makes a play, when he scores, he just kind of runs back and he looks totally nonplussed about anything. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you know, not everything's perfect. Like he sure. is the night he is 19. Uh, I think his reactions 
especially on defense, seem a bit slow, but yeah. it's like, that's to be expected. This is literally his second game. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, like how he reads plays, that's just going to take time, right? Like, and and, and it is going to be, you know, I, I, I think some of Warriors Twitter has been, when, when Kerr said, you know, we're going to have a better idea 20 games in, people were like, 20 games in? No, you should have them ready now. It's like, uh, you know, considering they had how many practices, how many exhibition games, and two of their most important front court players didn't even practice, didn't play exhibition games. So, yeah, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. I need to be not so sad. Uh, <laughs> but we got to stay afloat, though, right? That, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, got to stay afloat and, and beat the, the bad teams. And because I do think that they will be better at the end of the season because it's not just about getting Draymond back, but it's like all of these players learning how to play with Steph. Uh, exactly. And you can see the difference too. Like, like the only person who's really played with Steph, and and it's not even that much. Is like uh, Looney and mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of Damian Lee. And you can see that the way they move uh, while they're on the court with Steph, it makes a difference. Like they they have an idea of where he wants to go and where they should be, right? Mm-hmm. And and literally the rest of the roster has no idea. Yeah. Um. And 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 Steph is. Uh, you know, the greatest offensive force in the last 10 years. Um, but it does take time to learn that and the system. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, literally, you've erased all of Steph's teammates in in a year and a half. And that system, everybody on a string, both offense and defense, is gone. So you're bringing in a bunch of dudes who've played in regular offenses and they don't know when or what. And all the dudes who were on the team last year did not play with Steph Curry and they were a 15 win team and they were, they were terrible. Right. I mean, you look at Pascal and that's, that's, that's one thing. His reformed jumper is not really looking too reformed every time I see that kick. And I, I don't think he knows how to play with Steph. And it's been said that obviously he's filling in for Draymond in the starting lineup. And if he ends up on the second unit, finally, then maybe he can do a little bit more of what he knows and what he likes to do. Yeah. So, um, and I think that's again, just part of the process. So again, for me, like, that's why I'm like, okay, progress, progress, progress. And to me, it's like Wiseman's development and, uh, and and that's honestly all I care about. I mean, I look at Ubre, I look at Wiggins, and I honestly am thinking to myself: Is like the national spotlight too big for them? Is something weird happening? Because you know, playing in Brooklyn, Wiggins had that terrible game. Ubre had a bad game, which looks terrible now that he had an even worse game. Because then you see how uh, he hasn't made a three pointer in two games. <laughs> And how his shooting is like so damn awful if he's not dunking the ball. So I'm like, what, what is with these um, jitters? But again, like they will get back to where they originally were before. I'm assuming I agree with you. We just need to stay close, you know, and beat the teams and that we're supposed to beat and then be in position to, I guess, tackle the second half of the, uh, you know, playoff standings you know what i mean i mean it's been said before that they are inconsistent players right they Mm -hmm. are what they are um if these two really bad games came in the middle of a season instead of you know the first two games nationally televised warriors fans haven't seen a a a game with any stakes in 18 months then you know if it was a, a game in the middle of March, it'd be like, okay, they had a couple of bad games, you know? I mean, I do have to say I was very alarmed by Wiggins' first game. Like, it looked like like that's what I would have expected Wiseman to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, where do I pass the ball, right? Right. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, got to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, part of it is being the Manic Warriors fan. Like, I before the season, I'm like, they're going to be, they're going to be like Tatum and Brown. They're going to be, they're going to be the next, (laughs) like, uh, you know, wing duo, but you know, even, even if they are what they have been, that's going to be way better than they have been in these two games. 
and and right. they will they will get better like yeah. they will they will rise to that level at least and and that that's going to help and i just think it's so like the irony of the f- fact that the warriors were the ones that introed this era of crazy three point shooting and they have no three point shooters is just is is killing me you know like that that's the yeah. thing that's going to stop them from eventually making the playoffs if they don't or just losing in the first round if they you know what i mean it's it's what's going to stop them because eventually i believe that their defense will tighten up that they'll get familiar with the schemes and with each other and wiseman will be more solid and draymond will be back there you know playing uh free safety and quarterbacking everybody uh but when it comes down to it like on offense the question people pose i've talked about this is who's going to score but then who's really going to hit outside shots like watching the first game you see uh wiggins get the ball on a break and whereas like with with steph or kd or clay it's like that's in this is like no 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 take it to the, you know please pump fake and take it to the basket and get <laughs> fouled because that is not going in and everybody that they have on their roster who's a designated quote-unquote specialist pool Mulder. Lee, I mean, they were clanking today too. I mean, eventually, uh, I believe they hit each like a shot or something. But, you know, you have when you see like the Bucks and you see like whomever they have, I don't even know who's on the roster that was like nailing threes. It it felt like I was like, oh, this is how other teams have felt for the last like six years. Yeah. Um, That all of a sudden, we have a specialist named Michael Mulder who was, you know, in the G League. And he is our second best shooter before today. And now I think James Wiseman yeah, is their second best three-point shooter. I was really <laughs> bummed when he missed his last shot because I wanted to come out of the gate shooting like 100% <laughs> from three-point. <laughs> totally be, sustainable. Totally sustainable. <laughs> that'd be phenomenal. I mean, I, I woke up, I, I, I kid you not, I woke up Christmas morning today thinking, you know, Kerr's got to get more shooting in the lineup. What if he starts Lee and brings Ubre off the bench? <laughs> you know, it's like this is this this will work. Um, That's not bad. I yeah. mean, I, I think people talked about that kind of setup uh, early in the the short preseason, talking about like the rotations because Ubre did come off the bench for for Phoenix. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's done it in, in his career before, like him versus Wiggins like you wouldn't do Wiggins probably because he's never done it and mm-hmm. I mean it just seems hard to get that guy started up you know what I mean yeah. um, I mean they did do they did employ a different rotation today I think the, there was a thought of like getting Lee and Mulder in there earlier you know the results weren't any different um, which was disappointing but but the effort to try different things is there um, you know, Mulder didn't look that great. He looked better the other night, but he is who he is too. He is a G leaguer. He's a tweener. And, um, but I believe his shot will go down and, and, you know, Lee's not as much of the pure shooter, but he, but he can make shots and you know how I feel about Damian Lee. So <laughs> I, I think it is important. And those are older dudes too. So, you know, they've played a little bit. I, I'm not a big pool believer. No. I just have never seen his shot go down. Right. Um, so, so I, I, I would definitely lean towards these, these older guys who, you know, and not only that they're older and more experienced, I think they're willing to grind more, Mm -hmm. um, because that's what they've had to do to get here. So, you know, I think that they'll, when it's kind of, once we're in that 15, 20 game range, I think that they're going to be the ones that are part of the rotation. Um, interesting that Bazemore got three minutes today. Um, I was a little. I was a little curious about that. Maybe they thought he didn't match up well or something like that. But um, it could be that they wanted to give these other guys a shot to see if they could hit shots. You know, I don't know if it was like a demotion per se. But when Steve Kerr said after the Nets game that he was going to reward Mulder with more minutes, I mean, that's you also look at the other side of that coin. He's like he's going to punish other players yeah, by, take by somebody out. Yeah, by taking uh, minutes away from them. And I personally thought it was going to be pool. I thought so too, 
but maybe that's a Milwaukee thing. It's like, oh, you know, he's back home. Like, Christmas. He goes no yeah. fans, but yeah. But you know. yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not. Uh, I like Bazemore. I see the the value. Obviously, he's on a one year deal for for the minimum, and he's Steph's friend, and he brings energy, and he brings defense, and he brings a a veteran uh, veteran experience. But Poole, man, it comes in. He gets drafted as a, a three-point shooter. And then we get told that he's going to be a backup point guard. I I don't see his real value. I mean, if only – if Nico Mannion was like an inch or two taller, then, yeah. <laughs> then maybe yeah. you jettison Poole right away. Well, you remember when he got drafted, I, I think a lot of people saw him there like, oh, he's Nick Young. And it's like – and now it's like – Wow, I wish he was Nick Young. <laughs> I, know. I was like, you could really use Nick Young yeah, right we'll, now. We'll, we'll take Nick Young in a, in, a, in a heartbeat. And all that talk of Jordan Poole being like the hardest working guy in the gym over the uh, the course of the year, yeah. it's that to me just screams like PR because, you know, he's trying to get to his spots. You could tell like what yeah. moves and shots he worked on, his mid range and all this. And he's trying to get to those, but I just don't see and obviously they're gonna see what happens and maybe as the team kind of coalesces that he'll he'll see and show all of us where he fits in but right now like you know you need somebody to hit shots and I don't know if they said hey you don't have to hit shots anymore because you're now (laughs) officially a backup point guard but no that dude needs to needs to hit shots you know yeah it just doesn't look like it's happening for him i mean there there's nothing that he does well uh and 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 he doesn't have standout physicality no uh, so he's not getting by people like you can see he wants to get to spots but he can't get there and and he can't shoot (laughs) he looks slow and he doesn't look particularly strong and even if he's like kind of scrawny he doesn't look you know, like some people are scrawny but strong. He's scrawny and not strong. Yeah. <laughs> He's almost this. This might be kind of the the worst thing I could say about somebody uh, about a, a player. You know, Jacob Evans was supposed to be like good on defense or something. I mean, yeah. he's like the Jacob Evans, but on more offense. on offense. Yeah, but could be wrong. I, I mean, it's 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 weird. There is like a a long list of late first round picks who just like for some reason that's like it's kind of like dead zone. I mean, there's a few people like Rudy Gobert, Pascal Siakam, whatever, uh a few late round first uh late first round picks that work out, but it seems like the the rotation guys are more in that early second round area. I, I mean, I'm sure there's some writing out there about it as for reasons why but that you know i mean and lots of people have talked about the evans draft but like there's so many rotation guys who are picked after him and we'll see we'll see with pool too in limited time you have to show or nothing and in his limited time it's like oh i didn't know he was on the court until he misses a shot you know what i mean like and and really and misses it really badly too yeah it's weird because i noticed that about wiggins I noticed about Ubre. It's like if you miss short, if you miss long, great. That's what we're kind of used to with Clay and Steph and KD. Yeah. Um, front rim, it's back the, rim. The ones to like, the side. It's like, my God. like Wiggins, what's going on there? Wiggins, Wiggins like shot a mid-range jumper and it hit like the piece of metal that connects the rim to the backboard. Yeah. Like it hit like that that the jam area, you know what I mean? Like the the, the joint. And I was like, how how do you how do you do that? And I'm always like stunned. People talk about Wiggins' athleticism. He's 25 years old, but he goes up with no authority and yeah. he doesn't show much power. And I don't understand if he can't do it anymore or if it's just like not something he likes to do. It is a question like, you know, has has he lost some athleticism? You know, like he has been in the league for whatever, seven years or something like that. Like that can be a grind, right? And I mean, he did have some, some, some finishes today where it's like, whoa! Like when he kind of takes it hard and he goes in there, he extends. He's he's long and he has some bounce, um, but it just you know the touch doesn't seem to seem to be there. You know, I think you know Strauss wrote an article about like they just need they just need Wiggins to be Harrison Barnes, basically. You right. know, but but at this point, what he is is 
You remember there was that, I think it was the last Mark Jackson season uh, when Barnes came off the bench mm-hmm. and, and he just, because he was the person on the second unit, he tried to do all of these things that he couldn't do. Um, and, and that was like, just watching Wiggins in these games is, kind of giving me flashbacks to that again you know this milwaukee game was a little bit more promising but this game was to me like it was just the james wiseman like okay let's see what he can do on this time down the court and that that was it and that's what made me happy and when the game was decided very very early on i was like okay cool the guy hit his first three his first three three pointers. Are you kidding me? You know? Are you kidding me? And and they're not bullshit threes either. They're not like, oh, it banked in and like, was he trying to do this? His stroke is us? so smooth, man. Like it's, it's really smooth. Yeah, I I I think I said uh, previously that sometimes it looks like his shot is a little slow and that he gets down really low uh, to you know push off of it, and you know that could be adjusted down the road or maybe that's something that hinders him in terms of like he'll just be more of a spot-up shooter he's not doing it off the bounce he's not uh pull up threes exactly exactly on a a, uh, modified break or something like that i mean there's all that talk that kerr had too about how good wiseman has looked in the few practices and the idea that he was talking so glowingly and putting so much pressure on a guy who hadn't played an organized game in 13 months was kind of stunning. Yeah, and now now we see why. I mean, it's 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 incredibly. It's just obvious. Like you got to put him out there. You got to put him out there. The dude, like when he runs, he looks like he's like six six. You know what I yeah. mean? He yeah. doesn't run like straight up. I was digging in, and and uh, I, I caught some of the Suns game last night, and I was watching Aiton. You know, the most recent center taking top two, and that dude is a big stiff. You know, like he runs like upright yeah. up yeah, the court. Yeah. And for the hell of it, I went on NBA draft.net just to see what his comps were. So DeAndre Ayton's comps, uh, again, NBA draft, NBA draft.net. I'm not like, it's, it's kind of fodder, right? Um, it's not science, right? Uh, but his comps were Sean Kemp and David Robinson. All right. Uh-huh. And you know who James Wiseman's comps were? On NBA draft.net? Yeah. No, I don't. Hassan Whiteside and DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> like, okay. Well, <laughs> maybe they hadn't seen much, but whatever. Like, everybody's lazy with their uh, uh, comps. But those comps seem to look kind of reversed a little yeah. bit right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, especially after seeing Hassan Whiteside in two preseason games. Aiton, he was a number one pick. A lot of people saying, like, oh, they shouldn't have gotten him. They should have gotten Luca. Like, how could that happen? But, you know in terms of his improvement on both ends, like he has gotten a lot better, Mm -hmm. you know, all of his kind of like movement and skills aside, like he has gotten better. And so if you think about that improvement arc for Wiseman, who's clearly improved on uh, aspects of his game since the three games that he played in college. Mm -hmm. um, Hey man, like, yeah, (laughs) like I, I am, I am hopeful. Yeah. And the fact that he seems like somebody who wants to be very professional, you know, and he's an organization and he gets to learn from, you know, Steph on how to be professional on from Draymond, from the organization, from the coaching staff, how to be professional, you know, like it's not going to be hard to, to coach that dude. It's been awesome to see him putting, you know, putting some points on the board and offensively, he looks a lot better. I really want to see what he can do on defense. Yes. Um, you know, there was that block where he just plucked it from the air. <laughs> and then he, he just like went on a one man break, um, yeah. which I always wondered, like, why don't people do that more often? I remember Weber did that once his rookie year. And uh, um, and it's like, yeah, why don't people like it's legal? Like, why are you just volleyballing it out of bounds? Right? Well, that was a really, really soft floater, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. <laughs> That's easy to catch, especially if you're as big as him. Like, I guess, but like if you, but you know, if you're if you're doing like a volleyball spike, like you're not just doing it with your fingertips, right? Yeah. Like if you can kind of like cradle it down, why not? You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, six, you know, seven foot six uh, wingspan, and you know, nine foot six standing Same reach, reach, whatever, plus 
40 inch vertical sure yeah. but uh you just let i, I but the main point is i i do want to see his defense you know yeah. his rotations i want to see better rebounding mm-hmm. uh you know he's 19 he got bullied by lopez on a missed free throw mm-hmm. like like uh lopez just crammed it over him right. um so you know his 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 lower half like he's got skinny legs yeah um, he does that, that that'll come around um so he needs a little bit of a stronger base so i i would i would just love to see him just you know sucking up rebounds uh but you know as big as he is he's already changing shots and those rotations get better uh he'll be even better at that so with draymond around that should help i want to see him get an assist uh, yes, yes, that's definitely something that has not happened in right, the New like, Jersey game. He was doing one of these uh, full court things, and there was somebody like, you know, like it wasn't Steph, but it was somebody who could potentially hit a three, wide open in the corner, and and he char- and, and he got that charge on right. um, Kitty Durant, yeah. yeah. But you know, like I didn't watch too closely today. Uh, in that sense, he may have there may have been some blown assists because the Warriors couldn't hit anything from anywhere. So, uh, but I definitely want to see more passing from him. And like, uh, and like I said, he, he turned down early shots in the shot clock and he passed it. Um, I want to see what else he can do as he gets more accustomed to playing with Steph. There's going to be more opportunities and yeah, in the Nets game, he definitely in garbage time started looking for his shot after the, uh, after he hit those first two jumpers in a row or something. But um, I, I also like, I was like sitting there watching, uh, you know how he threw up that nasty uh, right-handed uh, hook shot against DeAndre Jordan. I, I had thought this the infamous right-handed look. Yeah. I had thought this like uh, in the preseason after reading the hype about him, I was like, she's that like, you know, cause People always say, like, you know, if you're a good, like, why don't people like practice and learn and perfect the skyhook? That was like an unblockable shot from yeah, Kareem. Yeah. And because he is the most skilled, the biggest, most skilled center we've had on the roster, I'm like, oh, now, now we have somebody who could learn the skyhook. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those things, too, right? We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves on, on him, but it's, he seems so malleable and so physically gifted and skilled already, you know, physically and mentally that you're like, whoa, you've never really seen this. At least we haven't as Warriors fans. Right. And um, from a big man. Yeah. And in a previous episode, I I joked with Vubang about comparing Wiseman to all the centers off the top of my head, I could remember from my Warriors fandom. And it was like, okay, he's already going to be better than all of them. Right. Yeah. And today it's like, okay, he, if he's well-rounded on both ends of the court, the dude will be better than Nate Thurmond and he's going to be the best <laughs> Warriors center since Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like literally. Cause but that's can... a pretty high bar to uh, reach, but uh, hey, you never know. You know. He, he doesn't have to reach the bar. He just has to get past like, <laughs> The other bars, and then Nate Thurmond, and dude, then, I'll take know. Nate Thurmond. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. that's what I'm saying. But um, so it sounds ridiculous to say, uh, but obviously, knowing that the Warriors have not had the best centers ever, uh, especially somebody who can do things on both ends of the court like this, that uh, you know, it's 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 just it's kind of just odd. You know, it's totally odd, you know, as a as a fan who, you know, I started watching in the 80s and it's just we outside of one year with Weber, we never really felt I never really felt like we had a capable big man. I mean, you know, Bogut was, you know, great at what he did, but, you know, but you knew eventually it was going to be the smalls that were going to take you home. Right. And so, yeah, it, it is kind of a new experience of watching a a big dude you know, who's going to do things. And, and it is also, this is the, this is the most excited I've been about a prospect since Weber. Same here. I I'm, I'm really excited. I have a, I have a couple of uh, questions for you. I know from a previous episode that you were, you were staking claim to Mannion Island. 
Uh, so oh, yeah. are you uh, part of Wiseman Land or something now? <laughs> <laughs> are you, you uh, staking new claims? I mean, Manion Island is a small island in the tropics, which um, I enjoy solitude and getting away from the hubbub of, uh, of city life. But I think Wiseman Land... I mean, that's the size of North America, man. <laughs> like that's a continent. <laughs> like I think you Google him right after the game and, uh, uh, you know, people are, people are taking notice, but yeah, sure. I'm an, uh, let's say I am, uh, a wealthy landowner on Manion Island, <laughs> but, uh, I have a, a nice, you know, cozy apartment on, on Wiseman land. <laughs> Your, your offshore accounts go through Manion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, but but I did. I may have a small apartment on on Wiseman land, but I I pretty much spent all my savings on. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. I did Google his stats uh, after the game. I was like, why haven't they compiled the two game game averages? It, um, it happens in mid or it happens like in middle of the night that. Wow. It rotates. Man. You know, I'm just I'm just looking forward to seeing what is going to happen when they get Dre in, and you know, Dre is low key my favorite player uh, in this whole dynasty run for <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> I'm wearing a Draymond shirt right now. Um, I, I want to see if he can restore order a little bit. I think he's their best facilitator on both ends, so I I, I think that's going to be really huge, and I'm. I'm dying to see these next two games, honestly. Same here. He is their vocal leader. Steph is not it, right? Uh, people see Steph and you assume that they just kind of, you know, follow his lead. But Draymond is the one who's going to light the fire under these guys to really give effort and to do more if they're not hitting shots and to not get down and all this other stuff. So I'm I'm also looking forward to that. <laughs> on Twitter, people will be like, you think Draymond's going to save you? No, not necessarily. But um, I don't think people understand like what we need him for, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the things that he does, you don't see, right? Like uh, if, if you're a casual fan, um, you're not going to pick up on those things. But I, I think that it's going to make a big difference. I think it's going to make a huge difference. All right. Well... Thanks for listening to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out at oaklandwarriors.com. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs. Go Dubs.